Good morning, everyone. This is Jeff from the CyberPro Podcast, back with another episode this rainy Los Angeles Thursday morning. My guest today is Doug. Doug, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Hi, my name is Doug Simmons. I am a cybersecurity consultant, and I have been working in this area for, believe it or not, over three decades, for 30 years. I got my start in cybersecurity back in uh, working for IBM in the late uh, 1980s and uh, started with something called Open Systems Interconnect. Many many of you may know about the OSI seven-layer reference model. And uh, TCP IP was coming out at about the same time. And at that point in time with IBM, we started developing a mess of routers to deploy TCP IP instead of OSI. And I got into TCP IP and even more in depth in something called the Lightweight Directory Access Protocol, LDAP, and spent the rest of my career doing cybersecurity um, around IP networks and identity management systems. Identity management systems, that could not be more of hot button today. So let's talk about that. As an identity management expert, veteran, in your opinion, uh, what is the most fascinating thing about what you're seeing these days and go forward, where do you think it's headed? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So I've been in identity management and cybersecurity for over 30 years. And so I want to believe that identity management is the most important thing under the sun. Um, and I think it is because what's happened over the past uh, few years in particular, I'll say this, with the onset of the notion of zero trust, zero trust networking, zero trust architectures, um, the reduction or actual elimination of the typical network perimeter uh, within an enterprise has brought to the forefront the need for stringent identity management infrastructure that allows you to authenticate people and things and authorize them access to information, sensitive information, systems and servers in a very granular fashion. So identity management has become very, very important again. The second thing I'll say is um, with the proliferation of passwords that we have uh, gained over the past 20, 25 years, something called um, self-sovereign identity or decentralized identity has become very important. Uh, in terms of taking us to the next level of people being able to maintain their own digital identities uh, in a much more secure and scalable fashion than we've been able to do today. So I think there's a lot of interesting things that are happening in that realm right here and a lot of uh, new uh, kinds of concepts and ideas about to emerge. Yeah, I'm going to riff off of that question. There's two questions that come up. I don't think I'll, let's jump into the first one. You talk about authenticate and authorize, right? Uh, That's something that's been around for a long, long time. But I think that the pandemic and everyone going out of office, off-site, remote, whatever adjective you want to place on it, has put a a significant burden on on what authenticate and authorize uh, is capable of and the attack vectors that people can go to go after people. Uh, Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on, on what that looks like going forward? Um, and then with specific emphasis on the decentralization that is happening now. Yeah. I mean, sometimes things actually work in concert and good, um, good kinds of advancements occur. 
let me bring up, I'll hold up my, my mobile phone. The mobile phone, uh, the ubiquity of the mobile phone over the past, however many years you want to say, 15, 20 years, um, has really led to uh, an important onset of uh, a second or even third factor uh, from an authentication standpoint that we can begin to rely on. Up until the ubiquity of the mobile phone um, took place, it was very difficult to be able to have a, a physical token in the hands of everyone um, and a biometric reading device in the hands of, of everyone. The mobile phone has largely um, brought about the revolution that uh, allows us to be able to have something that you have and something that you are, two additional factors in addition to something that you know, which may be a PIN or a password. I don't want to go down the password path because I'm not a fan of them, but you see where I'm going. Um, the ability to, what's happened is, let me say this, is the mobile phone is more or less transcended the analog kind of notion of uh, DNA to a digital DNA. And you become very attached to your phone. And I know there are some dangers to that. And that's where the decentralized identity becomes even more important because it brings about the capability to have encryption, uh, public-private key pairs, asymmetric, as well as symmetric key management done on the phone, whether you own it or the corporation owns it in a very, how should I say, non-invasive way and ubiquitous way that allows us to use this device that we pretty much carry with us everywhere as our second and third uh, authentication factors. And that is what springboards into the capability of having more granular authorization, because then on the back end of access control systems, we have much more of a clear picture of who you are, what you are, where you're coming from, what device you're operating off of, and things like that. So we can have much more contextual awareness around authorization. Oof, yeah, that's that's a handful. Uh, I'm not going to go yeah. down that rabbit hole. However, let's talk about question number four with four minutes left. What insights or advice about how to establish more effective information protection governance would you yep. care to share with our community? <laughs> yeah. Um, let me tell you this. Uh, governance, by its very nature, implies people communicating with people. Um, and what it means is that we have to uh, establish a culture in the enterprise. And I've worked as a consultant in countless, I mean, hundreds of enterprises over the years where we've come in, where I've come in and tried to establish a form of communication between uh, the board, uh, top executives, uh, the security professionals, the CISO and uh, his or her team, as well as all the way down to application developers and system administrators, a form of communication that is um, equitable in terms of two-way communication, not top-down, not bottom-up, but something in the middle. Governance means that we have respect for one another and that it means people are willing to communicate with one another. The way that we can codify something that really works is to put our heads together, um, both at the top levels and down at the, the worker level, where I tend to spend most of my time, and come up with key risk indicators and key performance indicators. These are things that have been talked about for well over a decade, probably going on 15 years now. Key risk indicators are, indicators are exceedingly important because they are the means by which you are auditing and monitoring, and in many cases, being proactive about what is happening in your network. Um, remember I mentioned the OSI seven layer reference model from the presentation layer where people are interacting with devices and applications down through layer three, the network layer, and even below that. So what's important 
is that you are creating or capturing key risk indicators that are measuring the performance and the efficacy of the environment that you are responsible for, think cybersecurity. The second thing, key performance indicators, is you have to have a means of communicating business outcomes with the people who care most about business outcomes, and that would be the board, um, and that would be the senior executives. I'm not for a minute trying to say they don't could, uh, are not concerned about cybersecurity, but they need to be able to measure how their company is performing from a cybersecurity lens. And by taking KRIs, tying them to key performance indicators that indicate uh, a whole host of things in terms of, it's not just performance, but efficacy of the environment that people are able to buy and sell and interoperate and, and, and do the third party things they need to do that you can then have an unbiased objective reference for what is happening in your organization and what needs attention. That way people can have an objective communication uh, uh, model in place that is not subjective based on things that don't have anything based in fact or data representing the company. Yeah. Yeah. I'll stop there. I don't know if I'm at four minutes, but. Yeah, we're pretty close. Actually, we got about 55 seconds. So let's talk about something fun. All right. Tell us a little bit about your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile. Well, I thought long and hard about this. And it's something like this, a pen and a paper. I don't have one handy, but an envelope and a stamp. <clears throat> um, I found out, uh, found over the past few years that communicating with people uh, that I like to communicate with is, is better uh, the old fashioned way by using pen and paper and writing things out because it forces you. Number one is I don't like to throw away hundreds of pieces of paper. When I'm typing, I'm just like, delete, nope, don't say that, that but I, it forces me to think about what I wanna say, why I wanna say it, what effect I wanna have. And I'm not talking about drama, I'm just talking about good communication skills. So I've become enamored with the pen, paper, envelope, and stamp again and communicating with people that I like to communicate. Well, hopefully the post office is gonna be around long enough for you to say. <laughs> I'll do my that, best to keep them in business at 50 cents or whatever a pop. <laughs> and with that, Doug, thank you so much for your time. We wish you well and happy holidays. Same to you, my friend. Happy holidays to all of you out there. Thank you for listening to the CyberPro podcast today. Please like and subscribe.